How much do we want to talk about my vacation? Zero credits. A trailer dropped today for Netflix's extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. And I was most surprised to learn that this is not a sequel to Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. (laughs) And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name's John. And together we're Henry and John coming at you with the cultural happenings of the zeitgeist for the first time in what feels like forever. It's been a long September. And And you're starting to believe. believe. I thought that was... Long December. Fuck. <laughs> oh, no, I'm thinking of that other song. Wake Me Up When, when September, September Ends. It's April, everyone. <laughs> Never have a cloudy day. Oh. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that one. You know what the fans love? The when fans? We, when we sing on podcasts. Poorly. Two people who... There's no one more qualified to sing than me or you. Yeah, especially when I can't really... Do much without coughing these days. And one, two, three, harmonize. Uh, uh, I hope that's good for radio. <laughs> maybe. That's all this is. Mono channel. Mon- yeah, it is. It is mono channel. But, you know, despite all the hiccups and audio lately, hopefully this episode sounds crystal clear. Because we're on the old setup for one last week. Yeah, because we've, we've really had an interesting couple of weeks for the podcast because we had two with pretty significant technical issues. The first one had huge portions of time where content was just dropped. And the second one, maybe more egregious technical issue, I wasn't on it. Yeah, and I tried to replace you with a very formidable guest, but one that he, in his own words, felt lacking in comparison to you. Uh, most people say that, in my imagination. It was mostly in the height regard. That's, I mean, few people can measure up. Literally. And not figuratively. <laughs> no, figuratively, no. I'm in the dumpster. We, we we are very appreciative to Jeff, who so graciously agreed to star on a podcast. It's not guest star on a podcast. That was his first podcast ever. Really? Really. You never, couldn't tell. You couldn't tell. He was... And despite the weird echo thing that happened, because I don't know how to Google things beforehand, uh, we also had some dropout on that episode. So hopefully this will be the first episode. We've done, a, this is 130 episodes. We're almost there. And, and that, those last two episodes were the first time we had really significant technical issues. And that, that, I think that, is pretty interesting. It was a really good streak. Hopefully it's not like one of those people who never get sick until they're 40 and then they just die. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that would be terrible. Or like, you know, the, the, the pitcher who just, you know, is on fire until like something gets in his head and they get, he gets the yips. The yips? Have you, have you never heard of the yips? It is baseball season, it so is. there's no better time for me to be educated about the yips. The yips are just like when a, a, an athlete who does, you know, like a kicker or a pitcher... They do the same motions every time. So you would think they should consistently perform. But for some reason, despite all, you know, science or whatever, they just can't do what they normally can do. They just get, they psych themselves out, maybe. They psych themselves out. They get some bad mojo. They don't eat the fry, the bucket of fried chicken before the game. 
what have you, and they, they can't perform to their usual standards. Yeah, I, I think that, that that's shown up in a lot of athletes. I never knew it was called the Yips. Yeah, I only learned that because I watched Psych on USA. Oh, then how can you know it's real? Ah. Fair. Uh, what were we talking about before that? Before we were talking about that, we were introducing this beer. I'm sure the fans are tired of hearing me talk about it. It's the wedding Hefeweizen that's still left over. Keep track, fans at home, of how many episodes we can get out of all this alcohol. Just three more cases of that, and then we need to work on the five cases of Hans Pills. Oh, and don't get me start... The, the, okay, so the Hefeweizen comes in a count of six per box. The Hans Pills comes in a count of twelve per box. Both of those are cans. The Torpedo IPA comes in like 24 a box in their bottles. Jesus. We are never going to be done with the IPA. I forgot the IPA was an option or I would have had one. I just, I haven't put any in the fridge yet because the case is so massive. Uh, you could always play Smash em Up. What's Smash em Up? Uh, it's a fun game that me and my friends used to play uh, where you go into an alley and you all start drinking from bottles of beer. Whoever finishes theirs first says Smash em Up. <laughs> And everyone else, regardless of how finished with their beer is, has to smash it on the ground and run away. Oh, that sounds like a good old 1930s <laughs> teen game. Uh, we were very bored and disrespectful of our bodies and the environment. You know, when resources were plentiful and beers were a nickel a pop. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see, in some type of like satirical look at the past, because we, we, we were... We, we joke today that people in in the past, like, they were just wasting resources. I want to see, like, a satirical look in the past where people are just, like, pouring oil on the streets. <laughs> they're, like, they're finding gold and, like, just throwing it away. <laughs> they're taking all, like, the non-renewable re- resources and just, like, juggling them for fun. They're uh, burning mummies for fuel in trains, except that actually happened. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, a lot of trains in Egypt, they would just, like, find... Old relics and mummies and just burn them for fuel. Well, this isn't plated in gold. I bet it'll do good in the tinderbox. Uh, there are a bunch of mummies. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, <laughs> the world's first exhausted non-renewable resource yes. was the mummies. They, they found a cache of mummies... And they were like, wow, this this burns really well in our trains. These mummies are going to last for the rest of my natural <laughs> life. And we have been paying for it ever since. We have no more mummies to go around. The first fossil fuels to be <laughs> extinguished were the mummies. And man, what a what a loss. Can you imagine how many how many millennia old curses were piped out of those trains? No wonder the train ultimately failed. It was so effing cursed. <laughs> I mean, those trains were pounding through more curses per minute than, you, than most people will see in an entire lifetime. It, it was really know, a golden age. A lot of people think horsepower comes from the amount of work a horse can do in an hour. But it's actually how many horses a curse can kill. <laughs> yeah. They would load up the curses, and then, like, they're, they're carting horses around the nation, and they're just dropping like flies. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the flies came. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the locust. Uh, I've, I've, the been ex- I've been exposed to a lot of the film The Mummy recently. Now, when you say The Mummy, are you referring to the Dark Universe version of The Mummy, or Brendan Fraser's 
fun action adventure, The Mummy. Since Brendan Fraser's Mummy is a universal property, it is technically a remake of the original The Mummy, which is a Dark Universe character. But no, it's not the Tom Cruise one. So, so wait, Brendan Fraser's fun romp through Egypt is actually part... Technically part of a dark universe? It's it's a dark universe character in that it is the mummy, one of the uh, universal original screen creatures. So it is technically a dark universe creature, but, it's but it not is not within their weird shoehorned dark universe. The Dooku. The Dooku, as we love to call it. Um, dark universe cinematic universe. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. So which mummy are we talking about? I think I lost the fans. So I have... I watched Brendan Fraser's Mummy. Okay. uh, Very recently. And I've been thinking about it a a weird amount. But the reason why I watched the mummy is I went on vacation recently. And part of that vacation was Universal Studios. The owners of the Dooku. The owners of the Dooku. The the Dooku Gurus. The Dooku Gurus. And uh, I rode the mummy. It's a very fun ride. It's a quick little roller coaster. Do you like roller coasters? I have enjoyed a number of roller coasters in my day. See <laughs> oh, Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I, I have a weird relationship with roller coasters because uh, I got a, a big old basketball head. And any roller coaster like suddenly stops or jerks or like jerks my head around makes me crazy motion sick. Well, you're also like the largest person on the planet, and so you have to cram into a space designed to fit most people, and most people aren't six foot two. So the the great majority of this trip was actually spent at Disney World, which we may talk about later. Uh, but I walked away from Space Mountain being maybe the most dizzy I've ever been in my life because Space Mountain doesn't have a headrest for you. Yeah. And since everything looks like it's about to hit you in the head in Space Mountain, which I'm sure due to liability purposes, there's no way you could touch any of that. You're probably absolutely safe, but it does not feel like it for any second. It looks like it's going to take your head off in the dark and you're going to die. So I would crouch down, which would take all the tension out of my spine and just let my head bob around wherever it wanted to. Space Mountain made me sick. There's a weird thing about Space Mountain, because it used to be darker. It used to be pitch black in Space Mountain, mm-hmm. so you couldn't see that you were about to hit things. But then uh, some people raised concerns, so they brightened it up. They put the things on the ceiling that kind of like look like stars. Yeah. But because of the ambient lighting, now it looks like you're going to hit something because they made it so tightly constructed. They made it dark in the first place so you wouldn't see the the nightmare of metal infrastructure that surrounds you at every turn. Yeah. But then they brightened it up and it became horrifying. Way scarier than the mummy. Space Mountain was a... Like, it's a concept roller coaster. How do you make the smallest, tightest roller coaster you can... And then you you had to account for the human psychological effect of it looks like you're going to hit something, so they just made it dark. And I, after I left Disney World, I'm in a really weird Disney place because going to Disney World is maybe one of the most singular experiences of my life. I've been doing a lot of reading about it. There's fascinating history to all this stuff. Space Mountain, maybe the most interesting. There's like this whole H.G. Wells thing. It's very cool. But the reason I bring up Universal and The Mummy is because there's something that I want to talk about maybe at the top of the episode uh, before we get into everything else because I don't want us to run over. Okay. So... Last week's episode was an hour and 30 minutes. Yikes. 
That's a yikes for me, fam. Ha. Is that still a thing I can say? Yeah, sure. So I know that anyone who's listening to this right now, you're probably a longtime fam. Fam's listener. And if you're not, then uh, welcome and listen to John's story. Uh, yes, if you're new, welcome. Also, the best content we've ever done is when we uh, did a supplemental reading series, which is a weird deep dive into every single Fast and Furious movie in existence. Yes. Up that, through eight. Obviously... Our best content. Now, one thing that we discussed early on when I decided that in addition to the films, we would include all works in the Fast and Furious canonical universe. Yes, and that included at the time a couple of short films that happened in between these movies. But then we did research and discovered... We discovered, of course... Our White Whale, the one that I do believe we said on air that we would not be able... To do a supplemental reading of. Yeah. Fast and Furious Supercharged, the attraction at Universal Studios Hollywood in Universal Studios Florida. Yes. And I come to you now with fantastic news. What does this have to do with The Mummy? That was your lead-in. And welcome to a zero-credit supplemental reading of Fast and Furious Supercharged. My name is John. And my name is Henry. And this is a thing where we do a deep dive. I don't know if I want to do the full supplemental reading intro. I don't know if I want to uh, submit to the bit that hard. Yeah. So this is a mini subred. Mini. Because only one of us has experienced it. Yeah, I, I have not been on the supercharged ride. I have, <laughs> I have, however, received numerous photos from what I can only imagine is the line leading up to the ride. So I want to preface all of this... Before I talk about it, because there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. Uh, I want to say that I thought that it was unfair that since I don't know of any time in the future when you'd be going to Orlando, I thought it was unfair that only I would get to experience Fast and Furious Supercharged in some way, so I got you a little bit of a consolation prize. Oh, what did you get me? So I know that we've got a new podcast studio that we're working on. Yeah, and this is a new apartment. Yes. And your fiancé, now wife, is an interior designer. She is. So I figured the perfect intersection of all of these would be a, a, a little bit of home from the Fast and Furious universe. So in Universal, I obtained for you this. Toretto's Muscle Car Club. Established 01. You ride, you fight. <laughs> Fast and Furious. It is a metal... <laughs> A metal sign. It is a. It is an embossed metal sign for uh, for a non-existent garage in the Fast and Furious universe because it doesn't actually take place at Toretto's Muscle Car Club. So it's all fictional. The graphic design is very bad. It was large, and we got stopped by the TSA because of it. Oh, really? But it's yours now. Um, I I love it. Thank you very much for this 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 gift. Um, I, I would have to say my favorite part is you ride, you fight, words that have appeared in none of eight movies. Yep. Never has this been said. So, uh, there this is... This is amazing. There is a, a pretty bad rendition of uh, Dom Toretto's car. Yeah. Uh, it is entirely fictional. I do believe this was contract work for people who did not truly understand what the movies were about. I, I ought, yeah, th this, this, this is great. This is concept art for the video game that was never made. Yeah. 
interlocking pistons with kind of the middle <laughs> parts of wheels. Uh, which is supposed, I think, to, to look like a skull and crossbones. What I think you'll really like is the skull and crossbones pistons. They're off center from, from the middle of it. Oh my so god. It's not oh symmetrical. Oh my god. This is, this is amazing. This is so good. So it is the first piece of uh, of decor for our new podcast studio. Yes, this is definitely going to go up in the studio. I love it very much. Um, thank you very much. And, and thank you for including me and thinking of me as you experience the ultimate pinnacle of success riding the supercharged <laughs> experience. Riding the supercharged experience is something that I will never forget for multiple reasons. Now, uh, to kind of explain, I know that... Typically, we don't like to talk too much about the plot of something in a supplemental reading, uh, but very few of us will have the opportunity to spend hundreds of dollars to travel to Orlando to go see this ride. Yeah, I feel like this is the first supplemental reading in which we can assume everyone's seen it, because it's such a niche thing. So I'm, I'm going to spoil the experience for you, and I say the experience because it all begins far before the ride does. As, as, as good rides do, they probably have... A lot of set dressing for the line, so you don't feel like you're waiting in line. You feel like you're learning more and more about this universe that you're about to enter into. Yeah, because if you think about it, Disney World really perfected this. Disneyland and then Disney World. Look at, like, Expedition Everest in Animal Kingdom. There is a huge amount of Yeti lore. There's yeah. multiple intersecting stories you, leading up to it. You literally walk through a museum yeah. at one point, and then further on, you're like... Walking through a hut that's obviously like pe where people gear up to climb Mount Everest. It tells a story through yeah. the imagination. Or like Slinky Dog Dash. Okay. In uh, Hollywood Studios in Toy Story Land, you walk oh, through new, yeah. you walk through giant boxes for the Slinky Dog. You walk through boxes for like a Hot Wheel set. And then you see where Andy has like mashed them together and glued stuff together with gum so the Slinky Dog can ride the Hot Wheels track. Oh, it's cool. good storytelling. Yeah, yeah. So in The Fast and Furious, one thing to keep in mind is that Universal has something that I adore as someone who likes to get a, a deal... For my time, they have single rider lines. So you can say, I'm a single rider, leave your, your girlfriend at the door, or she can just be right behind you. Yeah. And you can go sit. It's just like yeah. a regular it's like, line. It's like a seat filler. Yeah, it's just like a regular line, except you may be separated, which is fine. Uh, and they move, I'm going to average out about ten times faster than a regular line, so we get to see the mummy in about five minutes when the weight was 80. Oh my gosh. Uh, yes. Single rider is the way to go if you're an adult and you don't have kids. Oh, well. Uh, so I went on the single rider line for Fast and Furious Supercharged. And it was, really, they tell the story so well because it is uh, like a glass case filled with kind of some goo from Fast and Furious. There's a TV with Tej, a.k.a. Ludacris from the films, telling you about the mission you're on. Why is it Tej? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> of all the people, like he's the least sta stable member of the crew. Why is he giving you a mission? So Tej is giving you a mission that let me let me tell you something. This ride was installed in Orlando in 2018. That's last year. Very recent, February, I think. Okay. Uh, do you know which Fast and Furious film it's based on? Please don't say two. Six. But we're the on... The one that is about four or five years old at this point. We're on, like, eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did Fate of the... Fu 
the, the antagonist of Fast and Furious Supercharged is Owen Shaw. Oh, that's but that's kind of cool because it kind of ties into Hobbs and Shaw because it's his brother. So it's Owen Shaw is the bad guy. The plot is you are going to board a Fast and Furious party bus. What? <laughs> One of the people on the party bus is uh. Like uh, an agent inside Shaw's crew, but you don't know who it is. And Shaw will stop at nothing to find that person and kill them. But you're all part of the Fast and Familia. What? So you have to get on the party bus to escape Owen Shaw. Is this like a weird murder mystery meets roller coaster? No, you never find out who it is. Oh, that's dumb. Uh, so it's like Star Tours where they take a picture oh. of one random person. And they say, yeah. this is the rebel spot. Except they don't do any of that shit. Mm. Uh, but the single rider line is a glass case with a couple cute references to Fast and Furious. Just a TV on the wall with Tej. Yeah. And just a blank corridor. <laughs> oh. That's it. That sucks. It is uh, very nondescript. However, I never go anywhere unprepared, so I waited through both lines. Yeah. I did single rider. I did not ride the line again, but I went back through the regular line to see what it's like because I commit. <laughs> you I commit to this shit. So how's the regular line? Amazing. There are 15 cars... Most of which are used in the movies. That's awesome. There is set dressing. There's references to all of the characters. I do have some unfortunate news, though. No Han. There, since it's Fast and Furious 6, there is a reference to Han. He's dead. No. But I do have... The unfortunate news is... There are Coronas. <laughs> In the experience leading up to it, so... Wait, 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 hold on. Are you saying we're going to have to drink more Corona? We... What I want to say is, if we're accepting that the Fast and Furious films are art, and sculpture is art, yeah. then the the set dressing counts for the Fast and Furious Supercharged ride does count, and there are seven Coronas. Wow. So, what what did we end with? We ended with uh, a surplus of two. Yeah, yeah, we did. We ended with a surplus of two, so now we start with a handicap of five Coronas. So when Hobbs and Shaw comes out... <laughs> we are already going <laughs> to get a in, deficit. We're in the hole. Yeah. Five Coronas. We start in the hole five Coronas. Wow. But, well, I'm okay with that, because I, I don't think there's going to be any Corona in Hobbs and Shaw. It's, it's pretty unlikely, so I'm, I'm glad that they managed to get one over on us. Yeah. Now, there are some some strange touches, such as... Uh, so the table is set like the end of Fast and Furious 6 where they're drinking the beers. Yeah. The Corona's at the table on the rooftop, I think. Yeah. Uh, and the one where Paul Walker is sitting is, like, tipped over. Uh, it's, it's, it's emotional, oh. but it's kind of a weird choice. Where's my heart? I'm trying uh, to grab at my heart. Yeah, there's there's other stuff that apparently other people have found that alludes to Paul Walker's passing. Uh, but there's... Did you know... Uh, Paul, not, um, what is that guy's name? Paul Walker? No. Vin Diesel. You know Vin Diesel has a daughter? I did not. He named his daughter Paula. No! Yeah. No. After his, the, after his dear friend Paul Walker. That's very sad. I know. I learned that the other day, and I was... I was touched. 
Uh, sorry, I'm getting another beer. Yeah, I can, we can see it on the waveform where yeah, the entire look, table look, shakes. Doesn't look good. So uh, editing, so you can take care of it. So yes, the 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 Fast and Furious Supercharged line, which I waited through twice. I do want to make that perfectly clear. Does have a spiel portion uh, where someone on the TV is talking to like a cast member slash employee. It's lame. Yeah. Uh, but then we get into the ride. In the ride, you are... Okay, so I know that I like to talk about like the story and the cinematography and just the movie craft. Well, yeah, but this is a ride. Which is why I did extensive research on ride terminology so I could speak from a place of knowledge. The Fast and Furious Supercharged ride, you are loaded onto the party bus. You know it's going to be a real banger because there's not even a lap bar. Oh, wow. Uh, there's just kind of these little straps you can hold on to. So clearly it's going to be a thrill ride. So no, no, like nothing fastened. No, no, no. Nothing fastens whatsoever. Nothing fastened or furious. Wow. Uh, and you start and... So they avoided completely the fasten your seatbelts line of humor or comedy. Yeah, no, they instead decide to go with a big fat bus with 16 people in it. Okay. Uh, and what is immediately apparent, and I found out later, is a cost-saving measure. Number one, this is a, like, a visual experience ride. Okay. It's, it's a cross between a dark ride and a virtual attraction. Gotcha. So it is a combination of like a Star Tours. Yes. Plus a ride that actually moves like King Kong and Universal. Okay. Uh, but it's also called an attraction tunnel because it's just a straight shot. Gotcha. So you go through kind of a garage area where a bunch of cars rev up that were in the movie. Cool. Uh, and then you enter a dark corridor. And at this point... I realized they did not give us 3D glasses because as a cost-saving measure, rather than being a 3D virtual attraction, uh, they have decided to instead implement what is called a Pepper's Ghost Illusion, which is how they projected the Tupac hologram, which is basically characters being projected onto clear plexiglass. However, to give the quote-unquote illusion of being three-dimensional, it is all at 60 frames per second. So you that are, doesn't seem like a good decision. You are trapped in a tunnel, and you look to your right, and I swear to fucking God, I'm just going to give you a short walkthrough of the ride. Yeah. You turn a corner into a tunnel, you keep driving, and then to your right, there is like a hallway... With like 20 to 30 dancing, scantily clad women. There is a race, there is a sexy race butt scene in the ride. Are you, what, are you, you're there serious. There is a sexy race butt scene in the ride, and then. Who directed this? I have to imagine. Is this Justin Lin? I have to imagine it was Justin Lin. And then the party clears out because Roman Pierce shows up, confronted by someone. I believe his character's name is Agent Novak, and he has As the in BJ Novak. He has the acting skills of a typical like Disney cast member might. Wow. Uh, he is very bad. He tells Roman Pierce to like that he's being arrested. I guess. Yeah. And then Roman Pierce says, "I believe he's like you. You can't stop us or something." To which the very bad actor replies. Uh, I don't see anybody else here. 
And then an actual, in real life, truck rises up with a projection of Vin Diesel. Oh my god. And Michelle Rodriguez on the back of it. And Vin Diesel gives the most half-hearted, drunken performance of his life. <laughs> and he's like, you can't be with family. <laughs> he's mumbling while everyone else is speaking. Michelle Rodriguez, I don't think, says shit. Oh, no. And uh, this person is chased away <laughs> because uh, Hobbs comes out. Hob- Hobbs says, haha, I've got a bigger gun than you, butterscotch or whatever. Chases the guy off. Vin Diesel... 3D shitty hologram Vin Diesel looks at the party bus and says, no one's going to hurt you because we're all part of the family now. And then you're off. So the plot of the ride, in case you're not keeping up. I can't. (laughs) uh, One of your people is like an undercover agent within Shaw's group. They try to arrest Roman Pierce for some reason. They can't. And then you know that Shaw is after you. Also, a plot line is that you can't use your cell phone to disincentivize people from taking videos of the ride. But you can't use your cell phone because Shaw will track you. Because I guess he could do that. And then Roman Pierce gets a phone call because he thought having his phone set on vibrate would make it fine. Hilarious Roman Pierce goof. Very good, Tyrese. Can I make one correction to what something I said earlier? Yes. When you said uh, Tej was giving the mission briefing, I mixed up his character with Roman Pierce. I said he's the most unstable member of the crew. Oh. Roman Pierce is definitely who I was thinking of in that moment, not Tej. So I just want to make that correction now. I thought you meant he was the least, like, appearing member of well, the crew. He actually, it would actually make sense for him to do mission briefing, because I would say... Hands down, he is the smartest member of the crew. Yeah, he's the hacker. Exactly. He's the brainiac. Well, I'm not counting in later... They bring in... British ghost lady? British ghost lady. I'm not counting her. But, uh, so that's the plot so far. And the whole idea is you're supposed to deliver this person safely to some kind of zone. Or whatever. Don't let me into my zone. Don't let me into my zone. So you take Don't let off. Me into my zone. And the first place you're in is like an underground parking garage. And then Owen Shaw pulls up immediately. Yeah. In like a massive bear cat people carrier. This is exhausting me. <laughs> and he says, Show me the witness. Are you going to get burned? And he like blasts the ceiling with a flamethrower, which I was excited for because one of my favorite things about any ride is pyro. Yeah. When you like feel the heat. Yeah. A lot of good pyro at Disney. No pyro here. Instead. You didn't feel. Wait, is it a projection? It's a projection. No. All of this is a projection. Oh my God. None of this is real. This is all on big TVs. He sprays the ceiling and instead of pyro, very aggressive and kind of deafeningly loud Mr. Jets in the part of spray you with water? Wait, what? For like the smoke detector? No idea, dude. And then <laughs> and then Dom Toretto crashes into him uh. and I swear he says something like, this is Arto, if you care her family, go. And then you go. And then you're on the highway and Owen Shaw is there in like a, a bulldozer and he tries to attack you and people are shooting at you. Dominic Toretto holds onto a helicopter and he's like, I gotta do it, I gotta grab it. <laughs> and then, like, uh, uh, Jordana Brewster maybe is in it. 
And she's like, no, it's too dangerous. He's like, go protect the family. And he jumps on a helicopter. And it's like the money shot of the ride is he grabs onto this helicopter. And it looks ridiculous because... Obviously, they just took, like, green screen video of Vin Diesel holding his arms over, and then they just rotated him. <laughs> they rotate him attached to a helicopter that is so small. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like a... It's... The helicopter is as big as Vin Diesel. And it goes from one side to the other side, and then I guess it crashes and he's safe. And then I think Shaw shows up again and gets, like, knocked off the road. It's all very confusing. It goes very quickly. You jump off a bridge... This is the most perplexing part of the ride, Henry. This is? You jump off a bridge. Yeah. The party bus tilts upward slightly to indicate you're jumping off of a bridge. Okay. And then you crash into darkness and the ride is over. No end of the story. No denouement. Oh my... And there's like a voiceover that's like, you did it, you're out of family now. And the ride's just fucking over. The story doesn't go anywhere. You don't get like a full Haunted Mansion type story. Yeah. You don't get a fun video with Brendan Fraser like you do at the end of The Mummy. The ride's just fucking over. And that shit lasts maybe 60 seconds. The ride is... And I don't know if this is... Is it Fast and Furious? It's the slowest, most boring ride I rode outside of Finding Nemo and his friends. Oh, the submarine ride. Uh, I just... It's... I want to be totally clear. I don't know if this came across from what I said. This ride sucks. No, yeah. That that came across very well. You know, I'm sensing a weird, dumb theme with the spinoff material. Except for Los Bandidos, which was, was, which was art. Yes. But Bandoleros, please. Los Bandoleros. My memory, you're going to learn when we get to Hobbs and Shaw and then eventually Fast 9. My memory sucks. So, like, I knew that stuff when we were in it. But when we get back to it, I'll be like, yeah, who? Who's Vin Diesel? I couldn't remember his name just now. Uh, I mean, it happens. But what I'm going to say is... Remember the supercharged pre-sequel to Too Fast, Too Furious, that weird wordless music video? Yes. I feel like that's more in the spirit of the of the universe than the ride you just described. Uh, I totally... And, and actually, this piece of art right here, <laughs> this, this metal sign you gave me, I thought this was just bad marketing... I think no one saw the movies, and then they made a ride in merchandise. I really feel like Universal just threw a bunch of money at them to buy the cars and then made the ride. Or they could have just done it because they had the property. Yeah. I cannot overstate. I was thinking about maybe doing a joke where we re-rank the Fast and Furious movies. Uh, I can't even remember what my last ranking was. We couldn't do that, but... This ride would be at the fucking bottom. Yeah, for sure. This ride... Okay. This ride is so bad that there are petitions to have it removed. Really? So what Universal did was they had this big hype campaign for the ride. And then they got rid of... I found my list. Probably the most famous ride in Universal Studios Orlando, which was Disaster. Yeah, oh, okay. They got rid of Disaster and replaced it with this, and people were, and are, furious. Wow. And fast. <laughs> uh, but people people hate it. it. People genuinely want the ride to be stricken from the record, and I do not blame them. I don't blame them either, because if you're going to... 
Okay. Hold on, wait. It would be slightly above Turbocharged Prelude, just because all the line stuff is pretty cool. Okay. But what I was going to say is, we talked about how this series has entered Americana. Like, it is now part of a certain generation's cultural mindset when it comes to American film. Like, there is as many films as this as Star Wars. It's a a cultural tour de force. Yeah. Not in a good way, just in the fact that it's so powerful. Yeah. And if you're going to... That would be like if they took Harry Potter and made one half-assed ride about it, and they called it the Harry Potter experience. I get why people are pissed, because, like, these films resonate with a lot of people. And if you're going to half-ass this, you're going to piss a lot of people off. I mean, I'm someone who, and I was thinking about this after the ride, because the ride put me in a strangely introspective place about our relationship with the Fast and Furious movies. Yeah. And I think the reason why it's become such a big part of my personality is I've never had something where I've chosen to be a fan of it. Yeah. Like, I think that our appreciation of these movies is, like, healthily ironic and unironic. And yeah. we choose to like these movies as much as we do. We we cannot <laughs> if we wanted to. Yeah. I mean, we, we chose to watch them all. And by doing so, it won us over. Like, Fast Five is legitimately a really great film. Mm-hmm. It earned that. You know, that's that's not just us. You know, we kind of came into it poking fun, but then we were won over by the heart. Yeah. And, and soul of these movies that, that do persist even in the in the, the bad ones. Mm-hmm. That being said, we're we could totally just walk away at any yeah. moment. Like it, <laughs> it's 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 interesting to have a relationship with a work of art. Where you're like, I'm just choosing to be a fan of this. Yeah, and it's it's empowering. But there was a little bit of me that was insulted by the thing that I had just seen. It was palpable. I understand for a lot of people uh, how big of a slap in the face a ride like that is. Uh, such a bummer. People warned me not to do it. Oh, really? Yeah, people. Even people in line were like, I can't believe how bad this ride is. I was like, why are you here? I mean, that, that's really funny because, like, yeah, I'm just going to give, like, a counterexample. We were in Vegas sitting in the theater for, oh, the Cirque de the Cirque de los Bandoleros. The Cirque de Soleil show that involves water. And it, we're, I'm sitting there. I've never seen a Cirque show before in my life. And I'm kind of like, you know, is this going to be good? And the guy next to us leans over unprompted and he's like hey have you guys seen this and we're oh no this is our first time he's like you're gonna love it (laughs) meaning he had been there before yeah and like he had seen it and he's like he he sized us up i guess like you're gonna love it that's the complete opposite of people who had been on the ride with before and really i can't believe we're doing this again yeah i it was very interesting to me i my it's not a counterexample to that. It's just like a mirror example. Uh, when we were in Disney World, um, the bad experience I had in Space Mountain really turned me off of like a lot of rides. Oh, that's, that's a shame. I'm sorry. Uh, but no, I, I pushed through and I did the Aerosmith rocking roller coaster. See, I, I was drawing... I was thinking that's the ride maybe to compare a Fast and Furious ride to. Yeah. For, because, for obvious reasons. If you had just mapped Fast and Furious onto that, yeah. perfect. Yeah. Because you're, like, you're in 
California. Yeah. You're riding a fast car. You go from zero to 60 in two seconds. Yeah, instead of like, oh, the limo drivers were late to the gig. Limo driver kick it. It would be like, we got to get away. Boom, zoom. Yeah. All you need is one line from Dom Toretto, like, drive fast. And then that's, like, that's it. That's it. That's all you need. And when I was on the rock and roller coaster, I really had to push myself because... What song I, did you get? Uh... Sweet Emotion. Okay. It's a good one. Yeah. Apparently you could get a lot better songs, though. I, I don't remember what song I got. Uh, but when we when we did Rock and Roller Coaster, I really had to push myself to get on because, like, I used to have an unlimited appetite for rides. Yeah. I used to be very good at them. Uh, but for some reason, Space Mountain just fucked me up. And then we went on, like, Expedition Everest, which the backwards part kind of fucked me up. Yeah. But that's because I forgot my roller coaster etiquette. I forgot. You push your shoulders into the pad. You push your head back. Well, it's if it's it, it's probably it might be age. No, it could, it could be I, a, a use it or lose it thing. How often yeah. do you find yourself at a theme park? I I used to pretty voraciously go to different theme parks in my teenage years and early twenties, but yeah. I haven't been in years and years. Yeah. Also, after you turn twenty five, the stuff that like connects your brain to the inside of your skull starts to deteriorate, so your brain floats around more. So that might be it, too. That's a horrible image I didn't need. Uh, but no, th- when I was on Rock and Roller Coaster, I was, like, ready. And I was seated next to uh, another person because at that point we were just saying, hey, we're single riders. And uh, I was just, like, locked in and I was kind of nervous. I was like, what's this going to be like? Is this going to be bad? And then this older lady turned to me. Yeah. Uh, and she was, like, coaching her sister through it. She's like, have you ever been on this one before? And we were, like, turning the corner. Yeah. And I said, no. She's like, oh, you'll love it. I've been on it 15 times. And she looked straight ahead. <laughs> and at that moment, we went from zero to 60 in two seconds. That's amazing. Uh, and it was really fun. I loved it. It did not make me sick. That's great. Like, it forced me to remember my roller coaster etiquette of just pushing yourself back into it. And well, I mean, it, that ride helps with it because you're going zero to 60 in two seconds. You can't you help it. push back. Yeah, you can't help it. You're, you're getting hit by, like, at least... Half a G-Force. Also, I get to... Uh, the first thing we ever did in Disney World was Splash Mountain. Nice. That's it's, the classic. Yeah. That's it, the ride that scared me for rides for like the first... Or, or like five years after that. It was the best way to start Disney. Because number one, it was my favorite kind of roller coaster, which is a wet one. <laughs> but also, uh, weird that it's Song of the South. Not really worth talking about, but it's weird that it's Song of the South. Well, it's Briar Rabbit, you know? And, and like... Independent of the weird thing that Song of the South is, the character of Briar Rabbit yeah. still has cultural relevancy to a generation that's probably passing. Yeah, and also like uh, Briar Rabbit and Briar Bear, like those are at least from, I forget the name of the guy who compiled the story, something Addison maybe. Yeah. Those are like... For the most part, like, generated from African folktales. Yeah. Uh, so maybe if you separate it from the, like, weird dialect that they chose to use mm-hmm. for Uncle Remus and all the very weird... He's not in the ride. Yeah, it's just these that, characters. I feel like they divorced yeah. the ride from any weird connotations it could have. Yeah, I feel like they did a good job. Like, uh, and you, also Splash Mountain, such a fucking good ride. Splash Mountain is what are they like a, like a master class at combining the the you know the the visual spect- spectacle with the thrill ride. I it's a story that's building up as you go up and like 
you're kind of like, this is, okay, there's some exciting, like, small dips and stuff, but, like, for the most part, it's a float ride. But then you get to the very end, you're like, oh, my God. Like, and, and that's why, as a kid, it scared me, because it was a sudden jump. Like, yeah, I, I, I because wasn't like, prepared. The vultures are up there, it gets real dark, you're a thunder, and then straight down into the briar patch. Yep. Uh, really freaked me out. I love rides that turn dark at the very end. Few really do it because they want to get their thrills out early. Yeah. Uh, but no, I Splash Mountain. If you were to choose to either spend hundreds of dollars to go to Fast and Furious Supercharger, spend hundreds of dollars to go to Splash Mountain, go to Splash Mountain. Hey, I would choose Splash Mountain. Uh, but I suppose that's all for, and we talked about that for way too long. I, I feel like we got a good, some good mileage out of it for a mini subred. That's why I call supplemental readings. I call them subreds. Subred, yeah, communist, or just uh, Eric Foreman's dad from that '70s show. <laughs> Sup, bad guy from RoboCop. He was the bad guy in RoboCop. Not in that role. He wasn't. No. He was a different bad guy. <laughs> Eric Foreman's dad is the bad guy from RoboCop. That's my... That's my dad. That's my canon. That's your canon? Uh, but, yeah. I don't know. I could talk about Disney World all day. I've been writing about it. I have a lot oh, of really? thoughts. Probably not suited for the podcast because my thoughts aren't coalesced yet. Weirdly enough, I want to say that Disney World was like a life-changing event for me because I'd never gone before. Yeah. And, and, and like, it's, it, Disney World is the craziest place. They call it the happiest place on Earth. But it's the craziest place. But, no, but it, it's like, it is highly concentrated, super focused, like, marketing at its purest form. Like, like it, is the, it is the blue meth. And Breaking Bad of marketing. It, it really is because, like, the, the thing that I kept coming back to, because I love theme park design, mm-hmm. and I was like, as a weird theme park nerd, I'm going to see through all of this and none of it will face me. No. Uh, looking at through that lens, it's even more amazing. Because the the standout moments for me are when we... Because we did park open to park close pretty much every day. Which we, is the way to do it. We got our time in. We, yeah. we did our work. So when I got yeah. to Magic Kingdom was first... Because I did a fair amount of research, and I figured that the best order was Magic Kingdom, Animal Kingdom, Epcot Hollywood Studios. So you start with the best. Start with... I start with the most iconic. Yeah. Go to the one that's second most impressive, but also has rhinos. Yeah. Uh, Go to the one where I can drink and relax, because those first two are exhausting. Yeah. Go to Hollywood Studios with the fewest shows, but you end on Fantasmic. You also went from most content to least amount of content. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but the when we went to Magic Kingdom the first time, since we were there at Park Open, we got to see the opening of the castle. Nice. Where they have the castle show. Yeah. Uh, with the witch and all the Mickeys and the Minis and whatever. And when we got there, I saw the crowds. I saw everything else. We had like a weird snafu with our guest passes because oh, no. our friends worked there. And it, it ended up being fine, but I was like, man, this is just kind of a bummer. I hate crowds. But we just ended up magically in a really good position to see the castle show. And I was immediately overcome with pure joy because the thing that kept coming back to me while I was at every Disney park is they hire the smartest people who are the best at this 
in the whole fucking world. Yeah, this is, it's the Harvard of theme parks. Yeah, everything is everything is played to the absolute top of its intelligence, so everything is presented in the best possible way. Yeah. And it was that. When we went to Animal Kingdom, when we turned the corner since we got there at Park Open, we turned the corner on the Tree of Life when the Tree of Life's music started... And the Tree of Life's music starts louder than anything else in the park. It's this big, sweeping Baba Yetu kind of thing. Oh, man. And when we turn... Imagine if it was Baba Yetu. Uh, do you know what they time to happen when the, when the Tree of Life's music starts? Parakeets. Bird show. Yeah. We turn the corner. The music started like a movie the second we saw the Tree of Life. And then beautiful, well-trained, like, bright, great green macaws swooped overhead, yeah. swooped around us. It's amazing. Over our head. And, oh! You mentioned Animal Kingdom, and I, I was going to ask you, how many times did you see the, the birds flying overhead? And you're like, yeah. oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's so good. Uh, we could talk about Disney forever. I, I almost want to do, like, a special Disney episode because I have so many thoughts, but I might just keep that to personal he could. Talks. He could. If you wanted to, like, write an article about it, we could publish it. On Medium. On me- on our Facebook page. Oh, I could do that. Or we could get, like, a website. Or we could do we- our website, blueberry slash 322272, <laughs> or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. It has the capabilities to do text posts. We just, we haven't really ever utilized it. I've actually been running a blog on there for a while. It's really inflammatory. You haven't, because I'm the only one who ever accesses that page. I You're think. right. Anyway, enough theme park talk. I could talk about it for weeks. I've got a lot of thoughts. Well, I think, I, honestly, I want you to kind of like reconcile with those thoughts. You know, ruminate them. Because right now we're getting like filtered down first impression. But what we need from you, what does it all mean? You know what my first... Okay. I want to just tell you... Because I gave one, you... One last anecdote. Yes. No, I gave you two parks. I want to tell you the highlights of all of them. Because two Disney's more anecdotes. <laughs> uh, this other one's short, Epcot. Yeah? Amazing. Eight amazing vegan fish and chips of the Crown and, Crown and Rose, I think. That's super impressive. Uh, Not that you ate them. The fact that they had them. No, Disney is so vegan That's friendly. amazing. Uh, they knew what the deal was and they knew what to offer us. But when we were in the Mexican pavilion, we went to a, like, temple. It was like a Mayan temple. Were the Mayans the one in Mexico? Well, I mean, Aztecs and Mayans were both technically... There was a temple. Anyway, we went in it. I mean, Yucatan Peninsula, I think, was the Aztecs or the Mayans. And and then Mexico... Uh, I got it. Yucatan Peninsula was the Mayans. Mexico City was the Aztecs. Okay, well, we went into a temple. And we went into a temple... But they're both in Mexico, is my point. We went into a temple moments after someone said, Yeah, I don't really know what there is to do in the Mexican pavilion. And you go down some stairs, and it's this beautiful... Cocoa land? It's a speakeasy. Uh, you no. joke. It's a cocoa land. Yeah, cocoa from Everything is the like movie Coco. Dio de los Muertos. However, we went into a tequila cave. It is a hyper small, super upscale bar just over to the side. It there's no there's like a bar and a couple tables. Yeah. Uh, we went in, we took shots of Sotol. Oh, wow. Uh, have you ever had Sotol? I don't know what that is. 
Uh, so it is basically, it's like mezcal. It's similar to tequila, but it's distilled from 50-year-old plants that are distant relatives to asparagus. I really like Sotol, but I never drink it because it's expensive. But we took shots of Sotol with, like, salt and lime chasers in this totally unknown place where no one was. And then we just left. It was amazing. We just <laughs> discovered something that was totally secret and weird. And that's all Disney kept giving us is like weird individual experiences. Because it's designed that way. I mean, what more can he ask for? And then Hollywood Studios, we saw Fantasmic. Hollywood Studios didn't really have like a big standout thing. Hollywood Studios felt the most like just a theme park. Well, it's because they're they're still building it out. You know, like Guardians of the Galaxy, man. I can't believe they're getting. Oh no! Biggest, biggest, greatest moment of Hollywood Studios: waiting in line for ninety minutes for Slinky Dog Dash, and the ride broke down and started smoking, and we all had to leave. Oh my god, that's amazing, but yeah. awful. We uh, oh, that's we were, not a good. We were waiting in line with people who work at Disney, which is the whole reason why we went there. Yeah, and uh, we started seeing a lot of smoke, and then we're like. Hey, is that from the Star Wars show? Because they do, like, yeah. fireworks. And then we heard the fireworks from the Star Wars show a couple minutes later. We're like, oh, that smoke is not from the Star Wars show. That's funny. So the Slinky Dog broke down. And some people broke down at, like, the top of the Slinky Dog. And were looking very hot and upset. Oh, no. Yeah. Exposed all that sun. That it, Florida sun. It was uh, not a good time at the Slinky Dog. Yeah. A lot of people stayed in line, though, because they're like, I'm not going to give up my fucking spot. <laughs> what do you think this is? The happiest place <laughs> on earth? They're going to tell people to leave, and I'm going to get one over on them. Over my dead body. Uh, yeah. I'm going to stop talking about Disney World because when you go to Disney World, you start thinking, I could be the kind of person who goes here every year. Oh, yeah. That doesn't seem hard. No. And honestly, I thought about it, I was like, man, if I like set up a mild saving strategy, I could probably go every two years. Yeah. <sighs> I don't wanna, but I wanna. It's fine. We can talk about anything else. All right. There's a lot to talk about, John. With Disney? No. You said we could talk about anything else. <laughs> Indiana Jones stunt show, really good. Anyway, uh, please continue. Wait, so wait, you went to Universal, right? Yes. Does the Orlando Universal have a Waterworld stunt show? I don't know. Because the L.A. one does. Uh, they There's Islands of Event. We only went to one part of oh. Universal, which was the lame part. You didn't go to Harry Potter? We did. There's two. Islands of Adventure. We're still talking about it. Islands of Adventure is Hogsmeade, but Universal Studios Orlando, Florida has Diagon Alley. Diagon Alley fucking blew me away. Diagon. If they had given Fast and Furious the Diagon Alley treatment... If I had been able to sip butterbeer with Ludacris... <laughs> That's a great sentence. It would have been great. That's, I love that Let's sentence. talk about anything else. Video games, John. You missed so much on your vacation. I uh, was completely disconnected from the world and still have not caught up. I had so many emails at work. I was fired. <laughs> <laughs> that is a shame. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Uh, but in the world of video games, John, people, lots of people... We're, they received some good news last week. Is Anthem out? Yes, Anthem's okay. been out for a while. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, but PAX East happened. You know, Penny Arcade Expo East. <laughs> so insane that it's a Penny Arcade thing. I, the comic is still being made, believe it or not. Where's all my gamers at? Oh, my gamers. My gamers. Gamers, gamers rise, rise up. up. Uh, balls. Anyway, 
That happened. Can we keep these gamer characters we've created? <laughs> of course. That happened. And uh, Gearbox, famous famous video game company Gearbox. Oh, the developers of Half-Life Opposing Force? And Duke Nukem Forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they love packs. They, they, they don't do E3. They do packs. One of the passes. They've got four choices. Because there's one in each regional direction. Pax East. Pax West. Pax North and Pax South. Pretty much. You named them all. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, they they actually had a conference. And they're they're talking about, you know, teasing this and that. And then Risk of Rain 2 dropped out of the blue. A very favorite game for me. I love it. I streamed it this past weekend with my friend Jeff. Nice. Who was on the podcast. You oh, can check out the VODs. Is that where you posted the very nice YouTube VOD? Yeah. Very good. Very nice YouTube VOD? <laughs> yeah, I watched it. It was accompanied by a very professional social media post. I applaud you. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, that So that was exciting. And then there were, you know, a bunch of stupid things. But then... John, does the name Borderlands mean anything to you? The pre-sequel? <laughs> Just the name Borderlands by itself. Oh, you mean the Telltale Adventure Games Borderlands? <laughs> Whatever the fuck those are called? Tales from the Borderlands? You, you nailed it in two. Yes, Borderlands, the, the creator of the looter-shooter genre. They were the first. Wait, there's some kind of looter-shooter? I'm fully familiar with the overwrought Telltale Adventure game. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> anyway. Why, why are you ruining? When was the last Borderlands game? Just give me a guess. When did that come out? Um, Not Telltale. <laughs> okay. Uh, so let's see. So you had your Borderlands. You had your Borderlands 2. Edward Borderlands, the pre-sequel, I'm going to say maybe five years. You would be correct. (laughs) Oh, shit. Really? The pre-sequel came out in 2014. I nailed that. Borderlands 2 came out in 2012. Oh, no. I'm so We have been waiting for a sequel to Borderlands 2 for seven years. It's a long time. And the week you were away... All we, all we needed you, for, from you was to go on vacation so this could come out. Borderlands 3 was announced. They know that I'm a Borderlands watchdog. Yeah. And that I will, at the drop of a hat, attack Borderlands at a moment's notice. Well, then... They hop, needed me to be away. You'll, you'll need to hop on board because, you know, hype! Hype! Seven years! Borderlands 3 was announced! It looks great! They're, they're focusing on story, which is pretty cool! You know, it's not just going to be a mindless looter shooter like the first one, and it's not going to be an over-weirdly mean thing like the second one was. Like, they took time to develop the story and develop these characters, and everyone basically is coming back, including some of the Telltale characters. Okay. Oh, that's nice. That's nice, right? Yeah. It's They made it canon. Yeah. They canonized it like a saint, like a Catholic church. Like St. Christopher. Like St. Yeah. The- Crosser of Rivers and... The patron saint of travelers. A head of a dog. That's Cerberus? <laughs> <laughs> no, that has three heads of a dog. Oh no! So, yeah. so all your favorite Borderlands characters are coming back. Handsome Jack. Mm-mm. Gunzerker. Wraith. Who are you? What are these characters? <laughs> Wraith is from Apex Legends. <laughs> uh, Gunzerker's in Borderlands 2. Yeah, Salvador. His name is Salvador. Uh, 
And uh, I never beat Borderlands 2 because I keep trying to play it with other people, but no one takes me up on it because they say, this game's seven years old. <laughs> and he was not in the trailer, I'm sorry to say. Everyone's coming back. Handsome Jack. He's dead. St. Christopher. <laughs> Cerberus. St. Andrews. St. Patron State of Lost Things. Let's keep naming the saints. And everyone's happy. Cerberus. <laughs> That is the stupidest joke. I hate you. Oh. Anyway, oh, please. No, 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 no. We've got to pause. That was such a dumb... Um, everyone's excited. Uh, accompanying that news, they're going to do... They're re-releasing uh, 1, 2, and pre-sequel, all of new textures. It's HD. If you have them already on PC, it's free. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's free for me. Yet, for... You have to own the 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 handsome collection. So you, you need to buy all... Like, if you buy it tonight, it'll be fine. So, even though I bought all of the games individually, I, if, I have to have bought it, the no, If you go collection. on Steam right now and click on the Handsome Collection, it'll give you a rundown of what you already own, and you just fill in the gaps, and it's a lesser price than... Like, I, I got everything I was missing for under $7. I'm not sure that I care enough. You might not. But I do want to beat Borderlands 2. Also, Borderlands 1 Game of the Year Edition, if you don't own it, is on sale on Amazon right now for also 7 bucks. And if you own it tonight, which will not help people, because this is coming out on Friday, you could get the uh, you could get the upgrade pack for free. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm That's... telling you, John. I might go home and do that, I guess. I don't know. So, but then today, this very day, this is like, we're breaking news here, which of course, and when this, when this <laughs> releases on Friday, so we'll be all old hat. Today it was leaked that maybe Borderlands 3 will be a timed exclusive to the Epic Store. Oh. Have you been following the Epic Store sort of thing that's been happening? Let me tell you about my involvement with the Epic Store. Alright. You could get Shadow Complex for free when the Epic Store launched. I did that. I got that. I beat Shadow Complex for the 7th or 8th time. Yep. And then I deleted it. That's good. Because Epic... I really disagree with what they're trying to do here. What are... They are... The people... They have come out and said there needs to be a rival to Steam. Steam has a uh, has a toehold on the market, and they're not good for developers. I mean, I agree. I and, don't think that Steam is good for developers. And so what Epic does is like, okay, developers get more of a share of the money through our store. Mm-hmm. But how they're promoting it is they have all of this money from Fortnite. And so they keep throwing it at developers. To get exclusivity. Mm-hmm. Were you hyped about the Outer Worlds? Obsidian's oh. new RP- action RPG? Uh, not only am I hyped for it, regardless of platform, I will buy it. It is a timed exclusive on the Epic Store for one year. That's fine. No, I only say that. You're... So this is coming at me wrong because yeah. it's Obsidian, and I will buy whatever Obsidian puts out. Essentially, day one, no questions asked, regardless of platform. If that was anything else, I would bristle at the idea. Well, here's the thing: when the Outer Worlds was announced, they had logos at the bottom: mm-hmm. Xbox, PlayStation, Steam. They had Steam there. Mm-hmm. How do you advertise you're going to be on Steam? 
and then two weeks later, the announcement comes out, oh, yeah, we're going to be on Steam a year after release. Yeah. That seems kind of wrong. It, it's also possible maybe the time exclusive thing came after they cut the trailer. It could be. And, and most likely it was not even... The, it's not on the fault of the devs. It's not Obsidian's fault. Yeah. It's Take-Two's fault. Because Take-Two is the publisher of the Outer Worlds. Take-Two also happens to be the publisher and an owner of Gearbox. Mm-hmm. And what they did for Borderlands 3, the announcement, they were very careful... They said you could play on Xbox. They said you could play on PlayStation. They did not mention PC at all for the entire presentation. Mm. The trailer has no PC mentions at all. So that makes me think they were trying to avoid an Outer Worlds fiasco where they had advertised Steam and then it turns out it's Epic only. Yeah. I just don't know how I like this because they say, like, all the arguments that Epic has is like, this is going to create competition. This is gonna. This is gonna be good for consumers because there's mm-hmm. competition. But how can there be competition if only one of the stores has the product? That is not competition. I I don't think that uh, I don't think that timed exclusivity is a meaningful incentive for purchasing anything because timed exclusivity is just trapping consumers into making a choice. Yeah, and you. If you want to make a platform that's good for developers, I don't think you benefit from saying that. I am going to limit the ability for fans to enjoy art by limiting the channels through which they can consume it. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a shitty business practice. I also totally agree that Steam needs... Competition. Competition, and Steam is a total monopoly, and Steam does steal money from developers. And they've become, like, a bloated, lazy, fat company. Yeah. Because they don't even release their own games anymore. They're just the channel through which other people release games. There's no reason to change their business model without competition given the but environment I mean, we're in but like, there's gog yeah there's origin and you play which there's the humble store humble store like there are other avenues they just humble store is not a launcher unfortunately and it sells mm-hmm. steam keys for the most part yeah but uh, one, one thing that i want to bring up is timed ex- exclusivity which that's a really hard word to say it doesn't make sense on pc mm-hmm it exclusives make sense for consoles because exclusives move hardware. Yeah. And the develop like Sony and, and, and Xbox, Microsoft, they get the money from hardware. Mm-hmm. They move more units. That's that's really the money maker. But how you move units is with exclusive titles, which is why Sony is is re- arguably winning this current console war because of their exclusives. God of War Spider-Man, all the all these great games that came out last year. Yeah. On PC, people can just go to any Best Buy, Walmart. You could build your own. You could go to Newegg, Amazon. The developers aren't getting the money from moving hardware. Mm-hmm. So exclusivity comes down to which launcher are you going to buy your game from. But if it's going to be available anywhere in an amount of time, yeah, people can just wait until it's on the platform of their choice... Or incentivize piracy. And and some people have, have come out and said, that's a shame about the other worlds. I guess I'm going to pirate it now because I don't want to support Epic. Which, uh, stealing from content creators you love, uh, fuck off. Uh, buy the physical version. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think that if... Is that even an option? Because... Cause, uh, 
I'll give you an anecdote. I don't think I've seen a physical PC game in years. Yeah. I was in college. I was a freshman in college. Civilization V came out. I was not on the Steam train quite yet mm-hmm. to make Powered a Powered by mummies. Powered by mummies. I wasn't on the mummy-powered Steam train quite yet. I, I like... I had the orange box because a friend gifted it to me. The best single video game release ever. And I was like, "That's that. this is pretty cool. But Civilization V came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, Civilization II was my first video game ever. It, me and my dad, I would watch him play. He would watch me play. We bonded over Civilization V was coming out. I'm like, I want the physical copy. Yeah. Because it means something to me. So I went to Walmart of all places because this was, you know, the city we lived in for college, and there was not a lot of options. And so I, I, I got the physical box. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is cool. It's a physical box. Like, And I, I bought it. I go, I go back to my dorm room. I open it. It opens up to a code for Steam. There's no physical version of the game anymore. Yeah. I guess that would be the case if... That's crazy to think about, because I, I was thinking, I was like, surely I bought a physical game recently. You know what the last physical copy of a game I bought was? What? Darksiders. The first Darksiders? The first Darksiders I bought a physical copy of. And that's only because it was on deep, deep discount. Yeah. I, I mean, you buy a new laptop or a new computer today, odds are it does not come with a disk drive. Yeah. Flop- physical media on the PC is basically dead. Yeah. But I also think that timed exclusivity, especially how it sounds like Epic is doing it, is... Uh, All they're doing is throwing it's, money. It, it's horrifying because they're just throwing money at... And it's easy for me to empathize with Obsidian because Obsidian is kind of my favorite video game developers in history. They're owned by Microsoft now. Yeah, which I can't blame them. Because if, if you struggle as much as Obsidian has... Given that Obsidian has released some of the most broken video games, and they've continued to persist just because their quality is so high, their like narrative quality and their fan support is so high, it's it's really a testament to how good they are. I can just name one broken video game, and it wasn't their fault. Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines? That was Obsidian? Yeah, Obsidian. Well, I think they were Troika at that point. You missed out on an announcement. Vampire, no, I was on Twitter for that. Nice. so excited. I'm very excited. Isn't, like, Kara Ellison writing for it? I I don't know details. I just, I saw that Vampire the Masquerade 2 was announced. I never beat the first one, but I enjoyed the hell of what I played. No, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines is a tremendous video game. Top to bottom. It was buggy. It was very buggy. Oh. The initial release... I was thinking of New Vegas, which was really the cryo engine's fault, not their fault. So if I... And some of this stretches back to, like, them being called Troika Games. Okay. But uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, buggy. Steamworks uh, of Magicka, Arcanum, whatever. This all, I really like Obsidian Games. This all sounds like Boulder's Gate stuff. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking of Path of Exile. That's not even them. That's GGG. I'm thinking of Pillars of Eternity. Same Pillars initi- of Eternity was same somewhat initials. buggy. On its, but same initials. They they do... Tyrant. They, Pillars of Eternity They too. do an exceptional job of releasing buggy games that are perfectly functional after a few months. Yeah, I mean, they, they patch it. Yeah. But I, I think that it, it's a testament to their quality that they still exist. But you cannot blame them for taking a sweet offer when it presents itself. And that's not even like the ba- a bad deal for them. Because Microsoft is, is doing this great thing... I don't think Microsoft believes in exclusives anymore. Mm-hmm. 
Because, like, they cracked down three. A game that probably would not have come out otherwise. Unless Microsoft kept pushing them to, like, release whatever whatever you have. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were, it was, like, exclusive on Xbox One or whatever the hell it's called. But also you can buy it on PC through the Windows Store. So if you want to play it on PC, you can. I also We think- don't care. I think Microsoft might be on some next level shit. Yeah. Because I'm not sure that they believe in the existence of a console anymore. They might not. And, like, the Xbox software is basically Windows 10. It's basically the same operating system. But, but you heard about the Xbox Games On Demand thing, right? Yeah, the, the, the SAD. SAD? <laughs> they called it the spe- Xbox X, or the Xbox One X. Special All Digital Edition. Oh no, why would you choose SAD as the acronym? Uh, they did. That's what they called it. And no one picked up on it but me. Uh, but no, they're, they're seriously playing with the idea of having you be able to stream first party Microsoft titles on a PS4 and a Nintendo Switch. Yeah, in fact, Cuphead is coming to Nintendo Switch. And Cuphead's gonna be bum like it's gonna come with Xbox Live features. Yep. On the Nintendo Switch. That's never happened before. That's amazing. I think uh, I think Microsoft has the right of it because I don't think this might be like a, a really weird proclamation. I think that having a physical console after this console generation, kinda foolish. We we're getting to the point, my friend Jacob made this point a couple of years ago. There's only so much improvements you can make to a console before it's just like you're making a PC. Yeah. And P- like a custom PC can run on, on levels that are so above consoles that it consoles are kind of holding the industry back as far as what they can do with the technology. Yeah. But they are, they're mainstream, they're entry level. You can buy any game you want and not worry about whether or not it's going to run on your system. And I get that. But the streaming services that Xbox and even Google are experimenting with, are they would solve, to a degree, that those problems. But then you have the issue of, like, is my internet connection strong enough to stream Assassin's Creed Origin on my cell phone? Because that's what Google showed off, mm-hmm. and it looked good. But you can never trust the presentation because it's always a lie. I mean, for for what it's worth, because Google Stadia was also announced. Stadia? Yeah, that's what I'm referring to. So, I think that we are very seriously entering an age where the only thing that you need for graphical processing... Not to say that uh, for people who have, like, an actual need... To crank out teraflops for something like audio or video processing. Yeah. Uh, Those people will still need actual computers, at least for the time being. But for, like, graphical processing, for, like, entertainment purposes, like, decentralizing that is now becoming so easy that if you look at something like PlayStation Now... Yeah. I don't have the fastest internet connection in the world, but PlayStation Now worked perfectly, which also gave me, like, a crazy... Like, desensitized paralysis of choice, because when you have 500 videos to play, what do you play? Uh, but going forward, I think that actual physical consoles won't truly exist. You might be right. I, I think we're going to come to a point... Also, if we break up the internet monopolies... Uh, oh, that would be I great. Mean, the Wi-Fi speed on a Taiwanese subway yeah. is three times faster than the fastest internet connection you can get through most providers. The private, like, the, the, the whole, 
this this weird capitalistic thing where services need to be privatized has held this country back for far too long. It's just because since the 80s we've allowed soft monopolies to yeah. exist because the, regional monopolies and that's what they are. And it it's just because the 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 SEC's dick went limp for breaking up monopolies in the 80s when Reagan was president. We Rising just, tide raises all ships, so let's just let companies be monopolies again. I, we just witnessed one of the probably the the biggest mergers in capitalistic history, whose implications I don't think anyone truly understands. When Fox merged with, with Disney, entertainment is over. Like, yeah, they own three fourths of the end uh, of the like. Of properties. Yeah, and unless we get very serious about breaking up monopolies again, which there are a few candidates out there who are genuinely interested in doing so, well, too. Uh, but if we, if we are able to break up both, like, regional and industry monopolies, then I, I think the nation would be in a better place. And not I, to get too political, but monopolies are <laughs> not know. good for people. And I know we, I, we, we spoke before, we said we weren't going to get too political... But the amount spent on infrastructure in this country is abysmal. And the fact there was a company that was giving given a grant of like millions of almost like reaching billions of dollars to develop a high speed Internet like fiber for the country. And then they said after like a year or two, oh, uh, we can't do that and kept the money. Yep. Where did the money go? Yeah, it, it's why are why are, why is that not being held accountable for? Given given the resources that we have, there is there is no greater evidence for rampant monopoly in the United States than the state of our standard internet connection, the because f- it is it is something that is necessary for interacting with the world at this point. Yeah, and uh, we're being throttled by monopolies who want our money. That's it, and. and- if we were to break up those monopolies, if we were to accept that some amount of limited privatization and more like public use for something like internet connections, a certain standard that's expected, and then even if you broke up monopolies, you could naturally say that competition over speeds across smaller companies may do something like it did in Taiwan and Japan, where yeah. internet speeds fucking skyrocket. Because when you don't have a monopoly and you actually have to have better services, then you can have good products. If that were to happen, I don't think consoles can exist. And you have a point. A very valid point. But all I'm saying is, I'm very excited for Borderlands 3. And there's going to be another press conference tomorrow, April 3rd, for the listener, for the fans. uh, Where we're going to probably find out that... Borderlands 3 is an Epic Store exclusive. If that happens, I'll wait the six months. I'll wait the year. I'm going to buy it on the platform where I have all the other stuff. It just sucks that I have to wait a year to play the other worlds. You know, if we uh, if we break up the monopolies, we'd have to break up Steam. And that's fine. Which I'm fine with. I just like all of my games in the same launcher. Yeah. You know, I played The Division for like a couple of weeks with my friends, and it, it sucks launching Uplay or whatever the fuck it was to, to play it, because it's like, this is a thing I've never used. I have to remember a password I made years ago for for Assassin's Creed 2. 
Yeah. Or in my case, Black Flag, where I had to learn how you play work. Yeah. Just so I could hunt some fucking whales. And, I mean, there, there are some benefits, because uh, the other week I had this random itch to play Battlefront 2. Mm-hmm. I didn't own it, so I was like, well, let's just launch the Origin Store and see what, you know, how much are they charging. And it was under six bucks because they were having a, they were having a publisher sale. Well, the, the publisher of everything on their store. They're, it's the EA store. The publisher sale. Us. Yeah. Everything must go. And so I, I got the, I bought Battlefront 2 for six bucks, played a couple of rounds. I'm like, that scratched the itch. I'm done. I probably, I might not ever play it again. That probably wouldn't happen on Steam where they're probably like, we gotta keep it 40 bucks because Steam's gonna take, or Valve's gonna take a third of that. I mean, on, on Steam, you do have the opportunity to like, uh, buy some games about disgusting crimes or fascism that Steam refuses to remove for one reason or another. But, but they are starting to ban porn. Yeah. To a degree. Like, they wouldn't let that... This is going to be a weird I, sentence. Wait, we can't... I know what you're talking they about. Wouldn't, they wouldn't... So you don't want me to say it? Not on the podcast. There was a very controversial game that was... Just because the game still exists, so yeah. I don't want to give it... I'm not going to get... I don't even know the name of it. It has a very bad word in the title. Yeah, I don't... I really don't know the name of it. I was just going to sum it up in a vague way. Okay, that's a, fine. A game that was originally... Greenlit on Steam for very controversial content of the, can I say, sexual assault? Yeah, no, that's fine. The sexual assault nature. Uh, there was a really huge thing. Like, it was greenlit. Like, it was gonna be published on Steam. Steam mm-hmm. was going to allow it. And then they were like, no, we're drawing the line. Yeah. In this one instance. But then. But, but the thing you, is, the statement they put out didn't openly condemn it. And if you which look, is ins- I feel like Steam at this point there's no human involvement. No, there's I not. I feel like Steam is just an algorithm that makes a an office in Washington of about 120 people fabulously rich, but all they do is like watch YouTube videos and play table tennis all day. Like I do not feel like human beings address anything regarding Steam. That game only got banned because it made buzz. Yeah. If you look at the visual novels and on the other the other co- adult content published on Steam, that topic comes out a lot. Yeah, and also games that feature like really awful racial slurs casually are published. Yeah, because it's no human involvement. It's because humans only get involved when something is there's no winning because you. You can give money to the Epic Store and you can incentivize timed releases, timed exclusivity, and fuck over the industry. Or you can give money to Steam where they just trust that a computer has the best interests for humanity. There's no there's no winner. The only winning move is not to play. But when you're talking about video games, that's... You gotta play. That's the impossible ask. Yeah. Because the verb with video games, the only verb with video games... It's the P word. You're thinking of a joke. I really am, but I know. I, I thought of three jokes I couldn't procreate. Uh, yay! No play. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Video games are in a weird place. It, 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 I'm just at the. I'm at a crossroads where two of my most favorite, one Obsidian, one like 
I, New Vegas is the best Fallout game ever made. New Vegas is one of the best video games ever made. And Obsidian, like, the, their decision, we're going to make something Fallout-esque, but to the truer spirit, because we technically are Black Isle, which created Fallout 1 and 2. Like, yeah. We're technically the core, the two developers who made The Outer Worlds are the two developers from Fallout 1 and 2. So we're going to make a spiritual successor that's more sci-fi than post-apocalypse, and it's going to it's going to be very Fallout-like. That's amazing, and mm-hmm. I want that. But then people above them say like, "Oh no, you got to go through the shitty Fortnite store to get it." And then Borderlands Three, a game I've waited for seven years, possibly it's not confirmed yet. It's all rumor. It's all speculation. Possibly going to the Epic Game Store. I've got, I've got bad news for you. It's going to be a timed exclusive to the Telltale store. You have to buy all seasons of The Wolf Among Us. Actually, didn't Telltale fire everybody because they're pieces of shit? No, they they went under. Oh, you're right. I, I oh, they also like let people go without severance because they're pieces of shit. Yeah. Oops. I uh, I very much like Tales of the Borderland. It's the only tale... 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 Whatever the fuck they're called. What are they called? Telltale? Tail tail? Telltale. tail. Um I played t- Tales of the Borderland was really good. But like I feel like you can only play one of their games before you kinda get it. Yeah. It's almost as if they had like a massive culture top down that forced them to put out a, a ton of games without actual like technological iteration. Well, they also uh, made people crunch like crazy, had a really shitty, allegedly sexist working environment. It's almost like it was a bad company that made good games. From an art perspective, their story engine was amazing because they yeah. could adapt it to a bunch of different styles. From a writer's perspective... They were a company I really wanted to work for because I wanted to write and I love video games and they seemed like a perfect match because there was less emphasis on the game and more emphasis on the story. From a human being perspective, they were shit and they probably rightfully closed. Henry, Clementine will remember that. I never played The Walking Dead. Oh, it's so good. The first season? I only played... Tales of the Borderlands. The first season, except for that one part that's written by Gary Whitta, really good. I only played Tales... They made a Batman game! Sure. That was like the last one they made. They made Minecraft. I heard that was stupid. Wow, Minecraft is stupid. Weird. Weird. Notch is a fascist. Did you hear the news? They scrubbed his name from... Turns out, if you're a real fascist dickhead on Twitter... Even, fuck it, fuck that guy. Fuck that stupid fat prick. I hate him. It's fine. I respect that, like, he became a billionaire. Yeah, I respect that he became a billionaire through no fault of his own. and For a fucking Java app. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) Coded the entire game in Java. Yeah, it's cool that you can rip off Infiniminer. Uh, and I don't know what that is. I go way back on this Minecraft shit, my dude. Is this some Ebon's world? There was shit? a game called Infiniminer that had a short moment. Is this Dwarf Fortress? No, but Dwarf Fortress is on Steam, and that is one company you should absolutely send money to. Bay Twelve Games. They're making a. They're making a new version. Bay Twelve Games has been putting more work into Dwarf Fortress than any company put into anything. Please. Support Bay 12 Games. And also, while we're at it, 
I'm going to plug the maker of Risk of Rain 2 and Risk of Rain 1, uh, Hapu Games. They are a company of three people. Three people. Uh, Risk of Rain 1 was a college class assignment that became a very successful 2D platformer, roguelike, that was very fun to play. The longer you play, the harder the game gets, and you can loop forever, mm-hmm. and there's a final boss you can beat. But when you, when you challenge him, he's at the level of the amount of time you've spent. So it becomes, like, every, it's, it's very challenging, very fun. And then Gearbox, they noticed, they're like, oh, this game looks, this looks like the game we would make if we made it. And mm-hmm. we're like a company of a hundred people. You're three people. Work with us. We'll publish your next game. And they were like, why don't you make it 3D? And so they did. Risk of Rain 2 is the same game, pretty much, but mm-hmm. 3D. Which changes a lot of the way you think about the game, but it's still just three people. I watched it's, the VOD and I didn't like that it was 3D. I really liked the art style for original Risk of Rain. I do, I did too, but I, I really like how the little touches. Everything, they're, they're nods to the, to the first game. I very much like this company and, the, and these people. They should absolutely make more things and you should support them. They have another game that's. I don't remember the name of it. It's like Death Stalker, Death Cult, Death Murder. <laughs> death Murder. Bolt Action. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, that's not at all like what you just said. Yeah, who knows? Deer Stalker. Deer Stalker. Deer Stalker. So it's me again. That's our video game corner. This whole episode was... You know, last episode was Marvel and Politics. And this episode was Disney and Video Games. No, no. And those are like one step of Fast and the Furious. Fast and the Furious and video games. Sorry. And some Disney. This episode is also very over time. It's not. It's not. It's about an hour and 30 minutes. Yeah, now it is. Shit. (laughs) I feel like we should wrap it up. I'm sorry for the length of this episode. The rest of the episodes for April will be back to your normal length. Yes, and with that... As with every episode of Zero Credits, when we start talking about the length of the episode, it means we should probably call it because we're thinking about going to sleep. Now, I know that last time when we read the social media plus, and by last time I mean not the episode. The last was, time you were here. What happened with uh, with Jeff? What happened with the uh, social media plugs? This is very funny. Actually, this is really cool. Uh, I asked Jeff. He, he listens to our podcast. So I, I asked him. When we get to the social media plugs, I asked him, to be honest, do you just turn us off? And he said yes. Nice. And he just turns us off because he's like, well, when a podcast is ending, that's when I need to start looking for the next episode. Because if there's ever silence, I will die. Mm-hmm. And that's true. He, he has a very special medical condition <laughs> where if he hears silence, he dies. He's an ear shark. So... Because of that, I kind of poked fun of him, and I was like, well, I want to do the social media plugs, but I want you to do the things we always do. And he's like, uh... And so it was very fun to do. Nice. Well, we're going to do it again, so feel free to turn the podcast off. However, we do not have the opportunity to do a word from the wife, because the wife is out of town. Yes, the wife is out of town. Sorry, wife. So we've got two options. I can either call your wife, uh, which I don't know if she'd be available. It's about 10 p.m., I, I, she might still be at work, to be honest. Or we could do a classic coin flip to see who reads the social media plugs this week. Let's do a coin flip. Okay, which one do you want? I'll be heads. You're going to be tails. And heads, you read. All right. Uh, so, 
If you want to get in contact with us and send us your thoughts on either the Fast and Furious experience or the Epic Store, you can contact us on Twitter.com at ZCPCWHJ, and of course that stands for... Zom Coretto Pom Soretto Wom Heretto Wait... Jom... <laughs> Oh, it's not an even number. Z, no, C, it's P, seven. C, W. Fuck. You know what's funny? I asked Jeff to do that last week, and he did it straight. It he was did? the first time on po- uh, in the history of the show where he he gave it straight. He really said Zero Credits Podcast with Henry and John? He did. Holy shit. He gave it straight. I was like, that is the first time that's ever happened, and he felt really bad. <laughs> yes. And if you feel really bad because you haven't sent us any email lately, you can send us an email at zero credits as a podcast at gmail.com. We will respond or ignore because, I don't know, it's 2019. Uh, I keep forgetting to plug Facebook every time I do this, and I'll continue to do so this time. We actually are on Twitch. I streamed this past weekend. Oh, it's back. You it's breathed back. life into it. I bre- breathed life. To- we got a new a new follower. We're up to three. Nice. It's amazing. Twitch.tv slash zero credits. Our schedule is non-existent, but our content is in VOD form. You can watch the VODs. Some of them even have game audio and my audio in the same VOD. I, I had a lot of trouble with OBS. I used OBS for the first time this weekend. Uh, <laughs> a lot of trouble. Don't worry about it. Welcome to Vaudeville, bitch. <laughs> That's amazing. Vaudeville. Oh, God. Oh. And also, all of our streams are now called Extra Credit. Ah, I, I like I that. like it, yeah, right? I, 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 I came up with it on a random Saturday afternoon. It sticks with our school theme. Of supplemental reading. Oh, my God. We're fucking on brand. And speaking of our brand, you got to go to iTunes. You got to go to iTunes. You got to find Zero Credits Podcast. You need to leave us a review and a star rating. It is the only way we can get anywhere. Without that, we will, no one will listen to us. You won't listen to us. So you got to do that, please. We beg of you, Jesus Christ. Oh my God, we're dying. We're also on Spotify. You got to go to the Spotify section. The podcast spec section of Spotify, zero credits, open parenthesis, S, close parenthesis, and uh, you'll find us. I don't know if you can review on that. I don't know what the fuck Spotify is. I'm basically an 80-year-old man. And like all 80-year-old men, our strongest weapon is the word of our mouths. So the word of your mouth needs to be your weapon. Tell a friend. Tell a person. Tell a guy on the street. Tell a girl in a bathroom. Hopefully you're also a girl, because otherwise it's weird. Or it could be unisex, and that's... Why would there be a unisex bathroom? It needs to be closed off. From who? From other human beings. Oh, no, absolutely. Like one... I'm talking about like one one receptacle for waste. Yeah. The whole... (laughs) The omni-hole. It's just a room (laughs) with a hole. What goes... Who knows? (laughs) Tell somebody, and they'll tell somebody, and then we will be off life support, and someone might sponsor us. We're looking at you, Glass Cannon Network. We have nothing to do with role-playing. That makes no sense. That's my social media plugs. And I'd like to say from everyone here at Zero Credits, you can't, when your family, this is our, this is our 
Turf, you can't. When you, you get out of here. When your family, you go, and we're gonna, we're gonna protect you, family. Bye. Bye. Well, now I have to say something because you got the last word. You have to go to the bathroom.